Jewish women talk about midlife. Hi, I'm Deborah Krasniansky, and I've been coaching women for a long time in all areas of life, including women in midlife. Midlife is an exciting time, but it's also sometimes confusing. And so I invite experts to join me here on this podcast as we unpack this crazy and interesting time of our lives. You can join in our conversations on our Facebook group, Jewish Women Talk About Midlife. And in this episode, I spoke with Dr. Fermi Walkenfeld, a developmental psychologist, about her experiences with aging family members. I want to thank Rachama Klapman of Mass Parents for introducing me to Dr. Walkenfeld. What a fabulous conversation. You can read more about what MASK does in the show notes. In our conversation about our aging parents, our emotions, and ourselves, Dr. Walkenfeld and I spoke about the often delicate balance of caring for our parents and giving them the independence they want. We also spoke about the mixed emotions of sadness, guilt, and overwhelm of having to balance all the responsibilities of our life. A profound takeaway. When our parents were raising us, they had dreams and hopes for us to live productive lives. They want us to be busy in that life. I think that can help us reframe some of the overwhelming emotions. And there's lots more in this important episode about caring for our aging parents. Enjoy. For me, I'm so excited about this topic, aging parents, ourselves. There's so much to talk about. Uh, I speak to a lot of women, midlife especially, that have a lot to talk about this aging parents and taking care of their kids. There's so much practical. But before we even get started unpacking even some of this, because it's really such a big topic, can you talk a little bit about the work that you do specifically in this area and just in general? So it's interesting. I'm a developmental psychologist trained as a developmental psychologist. I am chair of behavioral sciences at Turo. And so I'm involved in a lot of different aspects, really, of teaching psychology, different areas of psychology. But development is my love. It's really, to me, if you don't understand development, it's really hard to understand a person. It's interesting. I don't do that much work with the elderly, but obviously my personal life, I've had Baruch Hashem, my in-laws who are older and we worked with them and my parents who are now in the aging process and uh, other family members and we're getting there. So in that sense, I can definitely see it. I have to say that one of the things that I found really hard is teaching about when we get to the development and I teach a developmental course, the beginning is so exciting. There's so many books, there's so much literature, there's so much research, and we're all into how exciting it is, and we see growth. And by the time we get to the end of the course, I remember I was just teaching last semester, we talked about aging, and it was so, no one knows how to talk about it without getting depressed. And it's, it struck me that we have so much, we have so many books and so much to say about the beginning of development, and then even the middle, and transitions but transitioning to the end, no one likes to discuss. And I started looking at some books that are out there and I saw there's very little literature. Uh, it was interesting. There was one study that I found that I am holding on to because it has some really nice vignettes that, that talk about some of the things that we're going to discuss, but they're few and far between in terms of studies. And I think it's so important that people understand that they're really not, the, the, a lot of the, feelings and a lot of the issues that we deal with, everybody's dealing with. You kind of think of it, you're dealing with it on your own and no one else can possibly be going through what you're going through, but that's because we don't talk about it. And we don't talk about it because we, you don't want to, we start thinking like, am I being disrespectful by talking about it? Am I being disrespectful to my 
elderly family members or I think that if we had a better understanding of the process, it would be helpful to everybody. Right. So I'm so glad that we are talking about it. I know that when we Google it, like you said, no one talks about it. But even when you Google it, there's much less than other phases of life. So we might come to think that maybe other people are really not experiencing it because Google seems to have everything. Yes. But it has so much less on this topic. Right. It is sad. It is sad to see a person lose independence. It is sad for the person who's losing it. And it's sad as I, as a child or as an in-law child or as a, my own, watching people who were vibrant and were superly successful start to decline and start to get depressed about the decline. And it's sad, but there's a piece of also respecting that process and understanding that some of these are part of our growth. It's part of our growth and part of maybe there are challenges that Hashem brought for us to, to see how we manage. It's still part of our growth. And I think it's something that we need to, since it's part of life, my father always used to say, living is dangerous to your health because everybody who's lived has died, right? I mean, every, sorry, everybody who's died has lived. So it's understanding that we can laugh about it, but then when we're actually in it, it's hard to deal with, but recognizing that's, that is what's supposed to happen. That is part of the process. And then that's our challenge to see how we can overcome that, the sadness and celebrate the life that was, or, or that still is, because the life still is. And there are still things that people can accomplish while they're older. And there are things that we can step up to in terms of caregiving, in terms of caretaking that make us a better person. Uh, so there's a, there are a lot of emotions and we actually labeled in our title, your aging parents and your emotions. So let's unpack some of those emotions, what might be going on for somebody. And what I understand is that not everyone has these, all these emotions and definitely not in any, any particular order. Right. So I, th I think in the beginning, there's, there's, I, there's a lot of, um, I would say in the beginning, and I say the beginning of when a person is losing some independence and kids are starting to take, adult children are starting to take over. There's a lot of tension around that because there's a lot of tension around, oh, you think I'm losing it. Oh, you think I'm not capable anymore. Oh, you want to take over my life. And that's not really where the kids are coming from. Um, but it may seem that way. And actually, even in the article that I was referring to, it's called Research on Aging. It's called The Bitter with the Sweet. It's in a journal called Research on Aging. And it's published in 2004. But a lot of those feelings um, is dealing with the ambivalence that parents feel. So they love their children for wanting to take care of them, but they are upset and angry at their children for wanting to treat them like a child. And that's that 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 beginning where that conversation has to happen is so difficult and so challenging because the children don't want to seem like they're taking over, but they feel they're that they're seeing a decline they have to address. And the parents can't face that they're here. They are, they're the person who was, who raised you. And they're the person who helped make you who you are. And now you're going to take care of them. It's, it's really hard. And I think that was one of the hardest things that um, I had to do with my in-laws and that we have to do with my, with my parents. It's, those are difficult conversations to have. Um, and then when you hit a certain point, um, you know, where you're now in the middle where, okay, so some things you can take care of, they allow you and some things you still can't, 
I think it's important for us to always remember that the most important thing they need is our support. They want us there. They want to know that we can listen. They want to know that we're there. They don't necessarily want us to take over. They don't want, because they want to be able to have a say. And we have to respect that. We have, I think the most important thing to recognize is that no matter where they are in that aging process, they still deserve our respect. And if that respect means that I let you do what you want to do because, because that's what you need to do, and I just have to listen, then that's what I have to do. I just have to be there. And I think that's so hard to sometimes remember because at our point in life, we're used to helping our children kind of, you know, you know, take care of things, but we're not always being asked to take care of things. We're sometimes just being asked to listen. And that can be really hard. Like I know with my own grandmother, she was fiercely independent all the way into her eighties and she didn't let anybody take care of her. And she was walking in the rain with her pekalach and we even got phone calls. Like how did you know that your grandmother's walking in the rain? And we're like, Yes, we know. Mm -hmm. I actually, one time my uncle drove alongside the street just in case she would drop, but like at, at zero miles an hour. But yeah, we knew. And it was very hard to watch her walk in the rain. And plus, it is hard to get the comments from everyone thinking that we're not taking care of her. Right. So that's the other part. The, you know, the, at Baruch Hashem, we live in a close-knit community, right? As from people, we, we live in, in, in close-knit communities. And everybody knows everybody or, you know, knows someone who knows you. And so somehow comments will come to you, you know, oh, did, you know, do, you, do they know that this is going on? Do the children know? Are they aware? What can I say? Yes, the children know and the children are aware. Um, but it doesn't mean that the children can, can do things the way you think that they should be doing it. And you don't know, you know, as an outsider, I, I, I am so thankful for my, for, all the support that we have and for all of my parents, friends and family and extended family, you can't know, but, but, but we're very thankful. Um, but sometimes people don't know, they don't know the whole story. And I think that's important to remember, you know, people are trying, we're trying the best that we can. Um, and you don't always see it because, because part of what we're trying to do is also keep our parents respect and, and give them the independence that they need. And, if that means that, you know, they're not always wearing what you think they should be wearing or always going out the way they should be going out, I'm sorry. That's that's a balance that we have to play. Right. And I think that for maybe for their parents or their grandparents or whatever it was, they were able to talk to them or they were in a different way of dealing with their own age. And so it worked for them. So it worked for them. It doesn't necessarily mean that we didn't try that or, we, or that we think that it won't work for us. Right. Like, there's so many variables and then there's some sometimes there's two different right ways to do things yes and we're choosing a different way right but i think that some of some of what you said the growth i feel like the growth was some of it was like really i find in midlife in general we care a little bit less and less what other people say and here's one other place where we actually get to practice it and grow it and strengthen that care less what people say yeah i mean i think there has to be an acknowledgement each each you know we had we each have a different journey and, our, and then we have to respect the need for different journeys. And as you're saying, when you hit a certain point, you know, you say when your senior citizens can do and say whatever they want, because they just have that independence. And I think that midlife, we start going that way. And we realize that our parents need some things that, you know, that we can t see that they need. And we have to respect them in that way that allows them that independence.
up to a point, obviously, if it's dangerous, you know, I mean, my, my brother deals with, um, he's a lawyer, he deals with some estate planning. And so he was telling me that he's heard from certain people that, you know, it's, it's obviously if, if we're going to a to a point where it's dangerous for an, a parent, then, you know, then you have to, at that point, keep it up. Aim is not an issue because if you have to help save the person, then that's, that's what you have to do. Um, but within limits, obviously. So this question came in as we were preparing for this, that this midlifer is a grandmother herself and she works and she has an elderly parent that needs a lot of her time and she can't figure out how to balance it all. So she's, besides that she practical time practicalities, she's feeling overwhelmed and she's feeling guilty that she's not able to give time to her kids and her mother. Hi, I'm in the same boat. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly where I'm at. And I think that most, many of us, you know, at this point, it's not even a sandwich generation, it's more than that, because we're dealing with so much. So I think in terms of dealing with the guilt, you have to recognize, you have to recognize that, um, first of all, our parents wanted us to be working and wanted us to be successful. And I think part of uh, what we do when we continue working and we continue growing our families is honoring what their dreams were for us as well. Um, and it's not that you're not doing what they wanted for you. You're doing what they did want for you. And you, and, uh, you know, we, there are limits on our time and we have to be mindful of that. If you fall apart, you're not doing anyone a favor. And that's what I have to keep reminding myself. And I think it's, it's really the only way we can function. Um, one of the things that my brother told me also is he, he had heard that someone had a, had been given a psak and I don't know, you have to ask your local rabbi, but a woman had been given a psak basically that, uh, certainly, uh, once she's married or, you know, she, she doesn't have the same chiv of kibbutz of aim as, as a, as a man does. And so, um, you know, you, if you, you your family has to come first. Um, and your family, of course, is your parents as well, but you have to take care of, of your husband, your children, and your parents, and you, you have to take care of yourself. It's like it, it, when you're in that, as they always say, when right when you're in the airplane and they, and they tell you, first you have to put the face mask on yourself. If you fall apart, then you're not there for anyone. And so, the, you know, you have to kind of put that guilt aside because you have to recognize that if that if you let, allow yourself to fall apart, you won't be there. And so then, then there's really no point in, in any guilt or anything. Um, I, I think it's it's something we have as as women, we're, we're trained to take care of everybody, but we have to kind of recognize that we're not taking care of anybody if we're not taking care of ourselves. True. And at the same time, there are people are pulling from all sides. Like I know there's woman in Shul, this elderly woman in Shul, is complaining to everybody in Shul that her adult children, who is a grandmother herself, is not giving her much, as much time as she needs. Mm -hmm. And so she's telling everyone in the community. So everyone, of course, understands what's going on. Right. But it's very difficult to always, as she says, that her mother calls her five times a day because her mother doesn't have anyone. She's actually, she doesn't even, you know, she's gotten older. She's much, much older and a lot of her peers have passed already. So she really doesn't, and I, I, if it's hard to make friends in midlife, I imagine it's even harder to make friends at that age. It is, and it's, these are, these are impossible situations because we can't, we can't become full-time companions to our parents while we're also having these other responsibilities. 
And I think we have to be realistic about what we can and cannot do. And it's, you know, I, I would say that a parent like that is probably losing, has probably lost sight of some reality. And I think we have to look at it as someone who's, you know, unfortunately isn't seeing the full picture. And so you do what you can, but you can't give up your entire life. Um, because that, you know, when your mother was in her right mind, that wasn't what she want, would have wanted for you to do. So I like how you keep stressing like, which is what they would have wanted when they were really planning and hoping for your life and kind yeah. of live with that. But yet on the other hand, they are still living alone or lonely. Yes, they are still living alone or lonely. And, and I think it's important for us to find other ways of keeping them busy if we can. So finding them some sort of community, you know, some sort of aid or some sort of companion. Um, I, I think that those are alternatives and those are important things for us to do. I mean, I'm Baruch Hashem blessed that I have a number of siblings and we take turns, you know, so we, we will sp spend time different days going to my parents' house um, and spending time with them. But it doesn't mean they're still not lonely. They are, they are at times lonely, um, you know, but... We, 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 we try to find ways to mitigate that. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I, I think you have to find what really what works. So if you don't have siblings who can spend time or don't have other family members who can spend time, do you have an aide who can spend time? Do you have, I don't know whether a, a group activities, you know, sometimes the, the Y has group activities or, or something, it's just some other ways for, for, for them to spend time. Um, it is important to keep them busy and it is important to keep them feeling like they matter. It's so important to give them a purpose because they, there is a reason that they're still alive. You know, I had a great aunt, unfortunately, who I remember she was really old and she said, you know, Hashem forgot about me. Um, it was like, and then, you know, she, she, she had the most, she was, if I had to say, she had a lot of amuna. She had, she, she was, from one of the firmest people I know, but but you hit a point where you just feel like, what am I doing here? And they there is a need for a purpose, especially if one doesn't have dementia. And I would say that because when someone has real dementia, then that you know, they I think feel less of that when they're in advanced stages. I'm saying, um, but they're feeling incapacitated or just feeling like their faculties are going. Then they start wondering, what am I going to do? Like, what am I doing here? I don't, I'm here indefinitely with, with diminishing faculties. What's the point? What can I, what's my purpose? It would be good to help them find some sort of purpose. Um, I think that's important. It doesn't mean you have to spend your entire day with them. It means you have to help them find some, some activity they can do when you're not there with them. Like I visited an older woman in my building. She's 90 something years old. She was watching, she was connected on Zoom or Zoom like to the Y in Borough Park. And she was mm -hmm. enjoying the show from her, That's great. her computer. So as she was keeping busy and so much so that she, when they went to visit her, she actually enjoyed the Y better than me. So I don't know what that was that said about, but that was okay. I didn't yeah. want to interrupt her programming. Yes. I think it was more about interrupting her programming than. Then, then you're not, then yeah, then you're yeah. being. Right. That was, there's, there are, the why is great. They have a lot of activities. I mean, I, I have a, you know, one of my sisters, her, her mother-in-law loved going to the Y for, for years and years. You know, they had a, a group for Holocaust survivors and she was going and very active. 
it, it gives it gave her a sense of of community um and they were doing little activities it didn't it really doesn't matter what they're doing you know what matters is that they have other people they can speak to they meet with it's it 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 it's it gives them a sense of i i matter you know i i have a place where i have a place where someone will say hello to me and it matters if i'm there or not there right so i think that's important but some of them really want a lot more attention than that but like you said we have to balance our life with what they would have wanted not what they want now because now that they are lonely or bored yeah now that they're, sometimes they're a little more sometimes there's you know especially as they're going into dementia there's a little more childlike behaviors um you know where they they they, they lose sense of of the reality of, of of what our of what our lives are and and they are needy um you know and and it's not for everybody because even in the research that i was reading um there are many who still don't you know they'd rather be bored than be a burden right they'd rather be bored than than say that they need you because they want their independence so there's a balance of you know different different ways of aging um and i and I'm not saying either is easy because I think those who want you there all the time encroach, you know, make you feel guilty that you can't be there. But then those who don't want you, your help at all. And, you know, um, there was this, a, 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 there was a story in, in this article that I was reading where a woman says she, she was supposed to go to the doctor, but she didn't want her kids to come with her. So she, when they weren't looking, she ran out of the house. She went to the doctor herself because why do they need to go with her? Why do they need to be busy with her? Um, you know, and, uh, I, I can, I can say, you know, we, 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 we see that all the time, you know, parents who don't want their kids to go with them to the doctor. It's like, you know, I can go myself. Um, that's all that, but that's hard too, because as you know, sometimes hearing, you know, even I, if it's something serious, you know, I'll want my spouse to come with me or you'll want someone to go with you if it's something serious, because, Two sets of ears are better than one sometimes, right? You don't hear and all Sometimes, that. and their elder ears, they may want to hear what they want to hear or just tell it back however they want to be telling it back. Right. And I'm just curious, does HIPAA still apply after people are that old, at that age? That's a great question. Um, I, I think on some level, I think it does not until unless they have proxy. If you have proxy, then it's different. Yeah. So that makes it also more complex that like you really don't know what's going on. You can't even ask the doctor if they don't want to tell you. That's right. Yes, it, it it's very complex in in that sense. Um, yeah, and so therefore, unless you don't go to the doctor with them, you don't really know what's going on unless they unless they tell you, or they allow the doctor to call you, but right. they have to allow. They have to allow. Yes, and again, if you don't go, then there are things that if they miss, then you'll never know. And unfortunately, sometimes that's what happens. And mm -hmm. they don't necessarily know to talk about the different medications that they're taking, or they they may have been able to, and you may trust that they were able to, and then they stop being able to. Right. Well, that I know was the first time, and then it, until you find out that they that they weren't able to, sometimes that's scary point. Well, correct. Yeah, and you know, I I I, I heard of a story where you know there was uh, someone went to. There was an elderly person who went to his children and 
they had to call Hatsala for something. And then when it came to, you know, Hatsala was asking, well, what medications is he on? And he couldn't talk. And the kids didn't know what medications he was on because he wasn't telling anyone because why should anyone know? And then after that, they had to make it known what the medications were because you start to realize, wait a minute, Hatsala needs to know and we don't know, then how can we help this person? And so it was an eye-opener for the for the adult children and for the elderly person who is, you know, not seeing himself as so elderly, but clearly um, was at risk because, because the kids didn't know what medications he was on. So, yeah, it's a big one. And I want to move a little bit into the idea of siblings and working with, the, with parents. And for some people, they are the local, the local family so that the parents are spending more time with them or should be logistically spending more time and all of those dynamics. So there's so many dynamics, but we can talk about the overall dynamics of working with siblings and elderly parents. So it's a, it's a great question. I, th I think one of the most important things that I've learned is that I think with siblings, you need to respect. I think respect is the most important thing. Respect what people can and cannot do. You're not all the same person. So I know that there are things I can do that I wouldn't expect of my siblings because I have certain strengths that they don't have. On the other hand, they have certain strengths that I don't have. So there are things that, you know, I don't, in the beginning, I would say there are some, there were some people who would say, well, I can do this, you know, or this works well for, you know, my other grandparents, you know, so, so, so why can't it work well here? And it doesn't work well because we're different people. Um, and I can't do, you know, what you can do because either it doesn't work for me or it doesn't work for my spouse or my lifestyle or whatever it is. So whatever I'm, I'm speaking kind of in general, in generalities here, but let's say, you know, I, I can, I know that I'm able to spend, well, let's say when I go to my parents, I can somehow, I can spend the day there and I, you know, see, see some clients there and I can go upstairs and I can go downstairs and I can cook there and whatever, but but not everyone can. Some people come and they bring the food and then they, you know, leave or, or, or because they have other responsibilities, not because they don't want to spend the time there. Um, but, and so I'm at, you know, I, I don't, or let's say Barakasham, I was very lucky. I was able to, my husband had vacation from, he's a Rebbe, he had vacation from Yeshiva. We were able to take my parents to Florida and it was wonderful. It was really very nice. It was difficult to, you know, but it was, it was beautiful. I didn't, I honestly didn't see the difficulty so much because it was, it was something we enjoyed. We, it was beautiful and we spent a week there and it was great. Um, I wouldn't expect that of some of my siblings and, and, but then there are things that they do that I cannot do. Like, you know, I have be, be, be before a wedding, getting my mother, you know, ready in the most elegant way. My, my, some of my siblings take care of that in a way that, you know, I, 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 I don't have that that capability just because I, I don't have the, whether it's thinking about all the pieces that have to come together, you know, which jewelry is going to match which dress and which, yeah, how the shake is going to look. And they're amazing at that. And so I think the fact that we can all build and I have sisters-in-law who do amazing things with my parents, really, I'm so thankful to them. And, you know, I, I think that each of us has different strengths that we bring and I think we have to respect them. We can't expect everyone to do what we do because it works for us. So that's one of the things that sometimes causes resentment that I think really, if you if you learn to respect each other's strengths, it'll work better. And similarly, this question came in, I was working with somebody that 
her, the, the elderly parent goes back and forth between Florida and New York. And so the, when they put them on the, when they put him on the plane in New York, it's morning, but by the time he gets to Florida, it's afternoon. And so someone in Florida now has to pick him up from the airport in the middle of the afternoon. So they're like, why don't you be more considerate about realizing that it's in the middle of the afternoon? Right. And the one in New York is saying, but I have to go to work. And so it's, it becomes like this big mess. And I think that just working it out before the flights and just conversation, I think a lot of communication has to happen. Definitely communication is, is key. Def, there's no question. Communication is so important really in any relationship, but you know, certainly when you're, when you're working out two different angles of, 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 of how to get someone from one place to the next, whoever's on the other end has to be communicated to beforehand also to make sure it works for them. I was talking to my brother and he was, he was saying some of the things that come up with, with siblings also is, um, you know, with parents beforehand, but when, you know, when they're making out who's going to be the proxy, who's going to take care of our insurance, who, who's going to take care of our medical decisions. Um, sometimes that becomes an issue because parents are nervous, um, which child is going to to be insulted that we didn't choose them over over this other person and i think and so one of the things he suggested is that parents should actually um and i guess i'm in midlife so i should be thinking about this but you know um parents should actually think about you know dividing it so it's not like you're giving everything to one child so not so children shouldn't feel um resentment that one person is given the response you know it's like it's not that i trust one child more than another to make my medical decisions but if someone's you know more in the medical field, let that person make the medical decisions and let someone else take care of whatever other things are involved. So that's another way of uh, parents getting involved before things get difficult about about how those decisions get made. I just thought I'd mention yes. that. Something right. is important. I think it's very important, but I thought I was thinking also on the other side where one is not overwhelmed, never mind that the other ones are resentful. It's, it's, it's two sides of the same thing. Yes. Well, I think in terms of overwhelmed, um, you, certainly if it's if it's just a few children and then those children are involved in everything, um, you know, whether it's one or two or, you know, then it, that can become overwhelming. And I think at that point, you kind of need, to, you know, sometimes, honestly, I, I find that sometimes you just need a good, what I say, therapist. So you need somebody who can actually just sit with you and make you realize that what you're going through is is not solitary and it's and you're not crazy for feeling overwhelmed i think dealing with a lot of these issues is hard and i think we need to be open about that not feel guilty that we have a hard time taking care of our parents but understanding that it's normal to have a hard time sometimes because there are triggers you know it's it's you have history with these people Usually, you know, often I want to say I, I'm I I I am so thankful that these are my parents, and I'm so thankful that I'm able to, you know, to give to them. And but but there are it's 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 difficult because I love them so much, and because there's so much that's involved there. Sometimes it's it's really hard to watch what's going on, and it's okay to talk about that with people and to, and to recognize that. And if you don't have some, you know, another sibling, you can kind of discuss it with, or even if you do, sometimes it's helpful to have an outsider, a therapist or someone who can help you through that. Or a friend, the right kind of friend. Yes. The right kind of friend. Exactly. Someone who can understand you and not judge you and understand that really this is, 
it's a hard life process, but it's, it doesn't, it doesn't, you're not bad or, you know, difficult for having, for having a hard time with it. It's normal. Honestly, I was talking to my own parents recently about, about how they felt about taking care of their own parents. And, you know, of course it's normal, but, you know, they felt they didn't do enough, you know, and they were feeling badly about it. And there's, there's, I, I, I think it's, I think you're always going to, you're always going to feel like you could do more. It's, and maybe technically you could do more, but you really can't. I mean, there's more things that could have been done, but maybe you couldn't do it. Right. Exactly. And I think that's something to recognize that you and collectively, the, the whole sibling, the whole, whatever the community, there's some things you just cannot do. There's just not enough hours, man hours. Like you said, it's part of the life process. And while it's sad and hard, it is what it is. And running around trying to fill all their hours can be overwhelming to even to them you know sometimes like just like the little they don't need to be entertained all the time right they'll have a longer cup of coffee right they do move slow they, some of them do move slower so the coffee does take slower which is another thing that actually came up in a conversation with somebody is how frustrating it is to watch how slow they are and you're thinking you just got to pick them up the way they used to be able to just pick them up right and all of a sudden coming down the steps is a whole thing again Sort of like reminds me of taking the kids and putting them in the car seat. You know, you right. forget now that, you know, at our age, we just get ourselves in the car. Yes. Take the kids on the carpool and all of a sudden it's like a 10 minute ordeal. That's right. You have to plan differently. You know, it, it takes longer to walk. It takes longer to walk everywhere. It takes longer to go anywhere. And um, look, you know, and putting a parent into the wheelchair isn't always easy either. You know, I don't need it. What do, what, what do you have it here for? That's for me? Really? I need that? Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, you do kind of need it. But, you know, it's 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 a difficult thing to, to deal with. Sometimes you can get the parent into the wheelchair and sometimes you can't get the parent into the wheelchair. And um, none of this is easy and i think it's it just it just has to be acknowledged and everyone you know different people are going through it in different ways it's it i'm just thinking about some of the other things that were talked about in the article also that i was reading in terms of parents ambivalence and and um uh dealing with uh whether the children are doing enough or not doing enough and and um Sometimes the children, sometimes the parents will make an excuse and say, oh, well, they're too busy to be, to come visit me. They're too busy to come, to come be with me. And what they were saying was that, that sometimes that's also in a way that also makes them feel good because it means that I raised my child to be successful so that he or she is busy and, and, and can't come, you know, be with me. And uh, so sometimes they'll use that as an excuse to other people about why their kids can or can't come. Sometimes it's, it's often true, but it, but it's also a way of instead of saying my child is too lazy and isn't doing anything for me, they'll they'll say that. So um, I think everybody's dealing with different feelings. I think that the parents are dealing with feelings, and we're doing, dealing with feelings. And um, it's just you know sometimes we cover it up in different ways, but I think acknowledging it and and talking about it is important, and that's really what we're doing here. Right. So there was someone else who reached out that her, her, I forget which parent, it doesn't matter, is really just 
in the hospital for it's going to be for years. I mean, was for years, could could be for years, and she feels guilty every time she flies away because she doesn't know if this is it. And her siblings, I mean, she's one of the only locals, so she's has to come more. And the siblings don't know when to come or what to come, and so she's feel like she has to be the spokesperson for the family, and she's just finding it to be rather overwhelming, and she's just. Because she knows she, I mean, a moon and everything, but you know, it's been years and she doesn't think it's going to get any better. But she feels guilty for wanting it to be over. That's a tough one. Feeling guilty for wanting it to be over. I don't know how to deal with that. I think there are times that we want it to be over, not, not because we don't want our parents around, but because we want the pain to end. And I don't feel guilty about that. I don't feel guilty for wanting the pain to end. It's a reality that. She's going through a difficult time. I think if you asked her, it's not that she wants her parents to not be there anymore. I, th I think it's that there's so much complication and pain around it. It's the pain that she wants that should end. It's not that she doesn't want her parent around. Right. To separate that, I think it's very good how you separated it. It's really, she wants the pain and might I say some of the inconvenience? Yeah, well, you know, inconvenience is definitely, the, I would say the inconvenience if she's leaving her family. Again, as we said, a woman's responsibility really is very much to her to her husband and her children. Um, and so it's it's very hard if she's actually having to get on a plane to go, you know, to go to her parents and she's, in, you know, she's, it's, it's, it's not, it's, it's not at all easy for her to go to her parents and take care of her family at the same time. So I don't, you know, that's part of the, I, I would say the inconvenience is part of the pain. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I like how you put it there. It's part of the pain. It's all under one big umbrella of pain that she wants to end. And yeah. not feel guilty that she wants the inconvenience to end because it's really all part of the same thing. Yeah, that's what, that's what I would think. Another thing that we were talking about is that when we watch our parents age, it actually is like sort of a mirror to ourselves and some people get some emotions around that. Yeah. Um, I know my parents themselves had emotions when they, when their parents were older, right? I mean, how many of us had our parents say, oh, when I get to this point, you know, shoot me. Or when I get to this, to this point, you know, I don't know, you know, whatever it is. That, but I've heard it, the different versions of that, you know, from other people. And of course, they know we're not going to do that, and they don't really want that. Um, I've certainly said things like to my kids, you know, when I get to this point, you know, here's what you should do that I'm that I'm not doing, or here's what you should do that I am doing, you know, or or whatever it is. Um, we don't know how we're going to age. We right. don't know. Um, we may end up like our mother is aging or like our father is aging or like something totally different. Um, and I think one of the things that I really think is for us to learn about um, what is working and what is not working and what can we do differently. Um, I remember my grandmother when saying she, she thought it was so wonderful that she had some friends who they saw they were getting older and so they took all their stuff and they laid it out on a table or whatever it was. And they told their children to come take what they wanted before there's a fight about Yerusha later on or something, whatever it was, you know. And so um, seeing what you would want done in a way that's healthier than just letting things slide, 
I think is, you know, is, is healthier. Um, seeing what makes sense. Like if you could, if you could, I don't know, take care of certain things beforehand so that, so that you don't end up in the place where you are with your parents or where you are with your in-laws or where you are with other people who you see getting old. I think that's an important step. We don't know how we're going to age, but we know that there are things that are working now or not working now that we would want done differently. And that's all I can, I, you know, that's, that's the way I am looking at things like, you know, what precautions can I take now or what steps can I take now to make it easier for my children? So like estate planning, which we're not even going to go into, but there is a lot to think about yes. as far as that. And even as early as the 60s to start figuring that out. Right. So, so I, figure, I mean, there's a lot to talk about and I know very little and maybe I'll bring someone to talk about it, but that's, that's not, let us not go there. No, for that, you can go, I'm gonna, you can get my brother on. <laughs> okay, maybe we'll do that. Okay, and is any other practical tips that you have that, from working with your family or your in-laws? Just a way of looking at things. And I think we've, you know, we've mentioned some of those things already. Wanting to always keep respect, because I think that's the most important thing, keeping respect for for your for your parents and for, for your family, for your siblings, for your spouse. That's the most important because... Ultimately, if your parents don't feel respected, then you're going to be fighting all the time um, about who's doing what. If your siblings don't feel respected, there's a lot of resentment around caretaking. You want everyone to be involved in caretaking. You don't want regrets later on. You know, you're going to have regrets because that's just the way we are. But you want to, you want to know that you've really done the most that you can. And I think you can only do that if you all respect each other in the process. And... I think that's and if we're not yet respecting, there's still time to get there. Yes, there's still time to get there. Absolutely. Because I think it's a lot of conversations, and I think maybe there is some talking to somebody else, whether it's a therapist and or someone who experienced a similar situation, because somebody else's situation really doesn't matter. But like similar, whether it's medically or whatever it is, to kind of see what they did, but not follow it exactly. Because I think that it's just interesting to hear different perspectives and not only from within the family when everyone is somewhat subjective, but hearing outside objective. And I think that's why having such conversations could be very helpful. Like like we started in the very beginning, circling right back there. So people aren't having these conversations, but I think that we could. Sometimes people are not having the conversation because they don't know how to start it, but if somebody asks them a question, they might have something to contribute. People are not mm -hmm. gonna announce and show, come, come listen to me, I have something to say. But if you right. know that there is something and you wanna, ask i think that we could ask they always have the choice to say no yes but mm -hmm. we aren't doing this alone just by the by the age that we are if our parents are still alive our parents are somewhat aging i mean they may right. be on the younger side of aging but they are aging if we ourselves are in midlife yes they're aging you know they may be joking about it you know hopefully they're still joking about it you know and they and um but as they slowly start to really lose their faculties it's it gets, they, they get depressed. And, you know, I, as whenever someone asks me, you know, so how are your parents? And we just go, go, okay, we know what that means. And there's like this universal, you know, everybody kind of knows what that means. It's, we're okay. You know, there's nothing drastic that's been happening and we, we know where we are. And so I, you know, I, I think that it's means that, that, that if we could get, I don't know if we want to get past that. I'm not sure what we want to do, but think there's 
I do. I actually, I reverse that. We do want to get past it. We want to be able to talk about it. We want to be able to have a conversation because we can grow from the conversation and we can grow from the discussion and from learning from each other, what others are doing. I think I've, I, there are now, I have to say, one of the things that I think has, has really um, been amazing is there are WhatsApp groups for caring, for caregiving. And I've, you know, I'm not very active on it, but I do read it. And I'm very thankful to be on such a WhatsApp group where people talk about, oh, you know, there's an aide or unfortunately someone passed and now there's an aide who's available. Does anybody need a male aide? Does anybody need a female? Does anyone need someone for, you know, oh, by the way, this, this wheelchair worked really well when we traveled, you know, and so, and um, the people are constantly posting things that worked for them and it's helping other people. And I think that that is one step in, in getting the conversation going. Right, and I actually heard that one of those, they talked about how AIDS and crossing states and crossing county lines is a whole issue. So I just wanted to put that out there because if anyone has any of those, that can yes. you know, Nassau yeah. County and New York City are two different places. They are. We actually had an issue when I, I said, I mentioned before that I took my parents to Florida and we were actually in the middle of getting my mother some therapy. And then we didn't realize that we were going to be causing an issue. Someone said, oh, my mother's going to Florida for a week. So she doesn't need it to start until the following week. And they said, oh, well, then she's not immobile. And so then we had to restart the whole process oh, wow. again. And uh, for some, she's getting therapy now, but we didn't realize, you know, that just by saying it was clear that they know that she's not really mobile. She was she was able to go because of all the support that she had. She had family support constantly because we didn't need AIDS because I was there the whole week with her the entire time. And they knew that, but somehow the way the process goes, we had to restart the process. So there are little things that you don't know. Um, and that we all learn, you know, if we can learn from each other by having an open conversation. I think that can be really helpful. So thank you so much, Dr. Walkenfeld. This has been very interesting. And it's something that almost all of us will need if our parents are still alive with us. So it's, yeah. So thank you very much. My pleasure. And I hope we were able to start, the, start a good conversation. And um, I hope people learn from it. Right, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for the work you're doing. Take care. Thank you for joining me in another fascinating conversation about midlife. If you'd like to reach me, Devara Krasniansky, to talk about your midlife or anything else, you can reach me at jewishmidlife at gmail.com and follow us at Jewish Midlife on Instagram and Facebook. And join us in our conversations on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash Jewish Women Talk About Midlife.